0: Hello, I'm Anna, and I'm three, and this is the Next Supremes, an American horror story rewatch podcast.
1: So, in this episode which is titled Murder House, Ben is paid a visit by an upset Hayden who demands he tells his wife the truth. Vivian learns about the house's former residence, a crazed surgeon, Charles Montgomery, and his wife, Nora, who provide illegal abortions in their basement until their bitter marriage mysteriously ended. I don't know why I say those in such an like, upbeat voice. This is, These is are horrible synopsis of horrible things happening.
0: I think it makes total sense for the tone of American Horror Story Murder House as well, to be honest. I'm into it.
1: got murdered. Yay!
0: You get murdered and you get murdered. Everyone gets murdered.
1: Okay, I will continue doing it in a very ugly voice. <laughs> yes, then. please.
0: So, continuing with the flashback trend, this episode also starts with a flashback uh, set in 1983, and we see the backstory of the very, very tense relationship between Constance and Moira. And that is that Constance catches a young Moira being assaulted by her husband.
1: Yeah, this one is quite just straightforwardly grim, this opening scene. And I I guess it really changes our perspective on who Constance is, because up until this point, she's like... Oh, she's fun, like crazy next door neighbor, very eccentric, you know, coming Ooh. in and making cat cupcakes. Ooh, <laughs> but
0: since there's a murderess.
1: Yeah. And to see her especially turn on a, another woman like mm-hmm. that, who, you know, was being assaulted. She was the victim of a crime in that moment. And she comes in and she has a gun. And the first person she shoots is Moira, not not her husband. I mean, she shoots her husband after, but I think it's very telling that she goes for the woman first.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Moira is low-key one of my favorite characters of this season. And this scene does so much for her character, I think. Because in this scene, she's played by Alexander Breckenridge, So she's the young, sexy version of the maid that we've seen only through Ben's eyes so far. And here she's dressed in a much more demure maid's outfit. And she is essentially mimicking Francis Conroy's performance. She is not coming on to the husband whatsoever. So it's so tragic that she is literally about to be raped by this man. Who is in a position of power over her. He's her employer. She's in his house making his bed. And Constance goes after her first and she calls her a whore and shoots her in the face
1: which yeah which I this is sorry to completely change the tone of this but also um, Jessica Lange's face in this scene exactly. is it CGI or is it makeup because there's something is something has been done to her face
0: oh she's definitely been de-aged in this I yeah did have it on in my nose. do you think it do you think it worked? No
1: <laughs> This is the one thing It is it, such a it is such a serious and, and heavy and grim scene, but mm-hmm. then the camera cuts to your face and you're like, her face and it's just like, oh oh, <laughs> hi. it's very hard to describe exactly what's wrong with it, but it is an uncanny valley. something is too smooth on that face. But I guess again this is 2011, and
0: I'm assuming it was probably some kind of CGI. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. It definitely seems like they sort of took a screenshot of Jessica Lange's face when she was in her 20s and sort of put both together. It's very strange like they looking. Just on Photoshop, like carried it over. <laughs> yeah, like they sort of did a, a like a little, a little cover up. In, you know, not even Photoshop, like a free version of Photoshop. They didn't even pay the Adobe Creative Cloud subscription. They printed it out and they taped it over her actual (laughs) face. Her dress is
1: fab, though. She looks amazing in red. Yeah, that is. That's the thing about that scene is, is when you first see her, she looks so glamorous. And then it just turns into this, this horrific act of violence. And it's, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's a strong way to start what is a very interesting episode.
0: <laughs> the next scene I think is another episode of Ben Harmon as a terrible therapist, which is the the show within a show that I also enjoy watching, and the first appearance of Adina Porter, future AHS yeah. regular, as a one of his patients, whose only issue. Right? she says, is being uh, extremely boring. I love that. He says I'm very boring. (laughs) She's so good in this. I love her. And I I do
1: my best to try and and learn all the football teams that he likes. There's the (laughs) Chargers. That's in Seattle. That's on the East Coast. It's such a good performance. Because I think, especially if you see her in the later seasons, and she plays these like brilliant, complicated women,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: soon it's like, oh my god,
0: I'm an accountant. Ah. I'm an accountant by trade, by branching out into taxes. Good for you.
1: Good for you. <laughs> Take it somewhere else. And and the fact that in so in that scene, he basically, I guess, he's falling asleep, mm-hmm. which is. It just saw like we like you were saying, bad therapist. Van <laughs> Harmon,
0: bad therapist.
1: <laughs> this is a peak moment of, of falling asleep on your boring patient.
0: I actually thought that the visual direction here was quite interesting because we sort of see him lose interest and then sort of doze off, and then we don't see her. The kind of camera is out of focus and then it's just her voice and adina porter's performance is so amazing the way she plays with her voice you're also drifting away and suddenly ben is holding a shovel and has just buried something or someone in his backyard so there's this kind of real play with time and displacement that um is intentionally confusing i think
1: it, it made me it reminded me of something and i couldn't quite put my finger on it but i guess like almost uh, an alice in wonderland like the the caterpillar with this hooker pipe and everything starts to get a little bit like weird like it has that sort of weird druggie so that's the thing you can't quite tell like is he falling asleep or is, is something else mm-hmm. happening to him because it's It's getting a a little
0: like 60s drug vibe. Then comes one of, I think, one of my favorite Moira scenes ever. So young sexual fantasy Moira is again trying to seduce Ben by literally being bent over and, you know, sort of thrusting her bum in his face. And he kind of loses his shit at that point and confronts her. And tries to fire her. And then comes this three-way employer-employee dispute between Moira, Vivian, and Ben. And the confusion between them is so amazing. Because obviously, you know, <laughs> Vivian only sees Frances Conroy's version of Moira. And she's like, Are you Are you for real? You're saying that she's trying to seduce you?
1: Yeah, because he says, like, in your, like, Halloween store, like, fetish, get
0: up. And she's (laughs) wearing some knee-length mage outfit. Yes, I know. And then there's, like, this... I love this moment where uh, Moira just loses her shit at them. And, you know, she's someone who so far has been extraordinarily composed in every situation, including the most horrific ones. You know, she's seen murders left, right, and center, and she's totally chill with all of that and in this moment she totally loses it and is like you i will sue you i will press charges i will uh go to court uh you cannot fire me this is my job and i love it i love that it's kind of um an an american horror story version of an employment uh tribunal in some sorts <laughs> yeah i guess more uh-
1: Is Moira the most sympathetic character?
0: I would say so.
1: Because she never really does anything wrong. I mean, apart, I mean, we know that there is this seductress other, but is that actually Moira or is that some sort of something to do with the house and some of the part of the curse of the house? Is it? Because it doesn't seem like the Moira that we see that is Francis Conroy, who's just trying to get by and just wishes that Constance wasn't around all the time Mm. doesn't seem like a woman who would want to actively go around seducing men it seems like that is the house kind of putting a in this this purgatory of being being trapped in in the body of the the whore that Constance accused her of being I guess Mm. like yeah you see yeah I, I I feel like that, that part of the character is separate to to who Moira actually is, who is a very kind of just a kind person who's just trying to get by and just mm-hmm. has been destroyed by the world and fucked over by the world just so many times.
0: And there's this beautiful couple lines that she says where she's like, I'm not naive to the ways of men, their need to objectify and conquer. They see what, do, what they want to see women however seem to the soul of a person. And it's it's tragic because it sort of explains that, you know, the reason Ben is seeing her as this pin up model and everyone else and we the audience are seeing her as Frances Conroy is because she she's trapped by both the way that other people, specifically men, look at her and perceive her, and the way that she really sees herself
1: yeah it is and I think this episode really is the moment we come to understand who she is
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean not to fast forward to near the end of the episode but but we do find out that she's she's buried out in the back garden mm-hmm. and there is a suggestion that she wants to leave but she can't leave mm-hmm and for events we will discuss after events we will discuss in a moment Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ben Harmon is building a gazebo in the back garden and it happens to be concreting right over where her body is and we see her in the window just sobbing because she knows that she's trapped forever now because she's under you know several feet of concrete
0: it's so tragic it's so sad and then she says that she misses her mother yeah And then Constance again. You know, let's just fast forward. Constance comes up to her as she's watching Ben build this gazebo over her remains, and just whispers in her ear, "Now you're stuck here forever." And it's so cruel. It's so petty and so unkind. It's so god.
1: Constance. God damn it, Constance. we take the information that we learned about her from the last episode and we kind of have to apply it here and, and go, well, she's become this horrific, cruel, corrupted woman because of this idea of beauty. And mm-hmm. so the affair was the most devastating. I mean, not a this man assaulting another woman um, is to her, like the most devastating thing that can happen to her mm-hmm. because it's her husband that she loved. Seeing beauty in somebody else. Mm. So as much as she is like she is unforgivably cruel, you also go, well, okay, I, I see where this is coming from. Yeah. Not good, bad. Should go to therapy, but not Ben Harman therapy, go no. to different therapy. But like I see why she acts that way.
0: Rewind back to why Ben is building a gazebo in his front yard. Not for fun. Not for fun. Our fave Kate Mara is back as Hayden. She's not even pretending to be not unhinged anymore. She's full on in crazy town. And she decides that she's going to keep the baby and wants Ben back. Which, do we have an explanation for why she does that? Just feel like it. Or. I, I think she. I think she's a woman wronged by this guy, and we don't really get that many details about their affair. Um, most we're you know we're presented with this fact from the very beginning, but we don't really know that much. And Hayden fits really neatly into the role of a woman obsessed with this man, but also scorned by him. But now she has this card over him we kind of never really find out whether she really is pregnant or if she's making it up. And I'm not one to kind of suggest that this woman is lying or not, but um, this character is presented as someone somewhat on the edge of reason because she now seems to just be obsessed with the idea of having Ben, but also... Potentially just ruining him, which I I I guess because I'm slightly confused by the character because
1: I think this might be another tiny bit of a plot hole. <laughs> because <laughs> the last we see her in the last episode, right, she is at the doctor's to have the abortion,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the nurse is leading her away, and we're walking away. She's off to have the abortion, and then Ben looks at his phone, sees thirteen missed calls, which are all related to the. The, the murder group he is breaking in he runs off so if Hayden was always going to go through with it then would she not have had the abortion and then come out and been like where is he this I feel like the timing doesn't make sense which is the reason that I would maybe believe that you there is like a, a it is possible that she is not quite telling the truth because the timing of all this doesn't quite work out. But this might also just be bad writing.
0: <laughs> I totally see what you mean. And I am into this notion of us finding plot holes. And turning them into conspiracy theories. That yeah. make for better writing. Yeah, actually
1: be really clever. Because she was never pregnant the whole time. So she just went into the doctors. And it was like. They closed the door. And they're like. Right. Let's go. Which is. <laughs> you know what happens with the doctors. I'm sorry. <laughs> but. I- and she was like well actually doctor there's nothing. I just had to make this man jealous so let's just pretend that i've had one i'm just going to sit here and read a magazine for 20 minutes oh my <laughs> Sorry, god Sorry. very dark subject to be making jokes about that really okay cuz this is my point like i would never i would never accuse a woman of doing this in real life but this is american horror story where you have like a 200% more likely a woman will be lying about a pregnancy on this show. Because everybody on this show is like peak dramatic, peak crazy. So that's the only reason I would think this is maybe true, and maybe this was some kind of whole
0: ridiculous ruse that she was trying to pull. I'm totally there with you, because this is a heightened reality, and everybody is extreme in this show. So, everything must be taken with sort of a grain of salt. But, it's interesting that the the very complicated subject of abortion plays quite a lot into this episode because we get a flashback to another to another time in the history of the house and get a little peek into some of the previous inhabitants of the murder house. And that's actually the first inhabitants of the house. so that's Charles Montgomery and his wife Nora. Charles Montgomery, played by the really, really wonderful Matt Ross, who is mostly known, I think, for his role in Silicon Valley. And Nora is played by Lily Rabb, who will become a regular on AHS. And this is set kind of in 1920s. Am I wrong? Is this set in the 1920s? It is is nineteen. (laughs) Twenty-two. The year is 1922. So this is in the 1920s in LA. And Charles is sort of was a brilliant surgeon who is now a opium addict or an addict of some sort. And mainly likes to sew bits of animals together while getting high.
1: Well, this is the thing that so we find out about this story because Vivian finds out that there's a murder tour that goes past her house mm-hmm. which was referenced in the last episode. And so she goes on the murder tour and they stop by the house. And then he starts telling the story about, you know, this brilliant, this brilliant doctor who had a Frankenstein complex, but then they cut to what he's actually doing. And he's sewing a bat's wig on a piglet. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, this is the brilliant, like, new Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> like, what if what if you had a
0: pig that could fly? <laughs> so, Charles Montgomery doing his little piglet bat experiments in his basement is literally the equivalent of a stoner dude, like, mixing Pepsi and Fanta together and thinking that he's concocted some sort of new <laughs> superpower trick.
1: Yeah, I just feel like Frankenstein Complex is is maybe overstating what the situation is. He's just sewing bits onto other bits.
0: Yeah, but also can we shout out the actor David Anthony Higgins who plays the murder tour tour guide, who was Craig on Malcolm in the Middle, and he's so over the top. I love him. That's such a good spot. This is a. It's I love it. It's I it. love it. An entirely useless talent, but I'm glad you appreciate it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would also like to just shout out Lily Rabe's acting in this. They have a huge fight at the dinner table, which is just mainly her yelling at him because, well, they've already got two servants, two. (laughs) Um, Like she's just hysterical, hysterical old-timey socialite, but also kind of scary at the same time.
0: She is really scary. She's also so uh, nasty to him. Well, he only had two servants. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: It made me move all the way out here from Philadelphia. <laughs> In our house with just two servants. <laughs> I have to do some chores. I'm like, she, the implication is that she has to work and she's horrified by that concept that she has to do some work, which I imagine having two domestic workers for a family of three, would already take care of most daily chores. So what horrific thing is she being forced to do?
0: I don't want to know. <laughs> I really don't. She does not seem like a nice lady. No. And it's, it's interesting that both her and Constance are such so nasty to other women. Because Nora is also the one who forces Charles into performing backdoor abortions. And she's shown kind of bringing in a young actress and charging her and drugging her and sort of pushing her into this basement with her husband, who is probably high on something. Yeah, just just... sewed a (laughs) batwag onto a piglet. Your trusted
1: doctor. I
0: mean... What do you think, kind of, about the way that this episode in particular kind of looks at and tackles (laughs) abortion? This is not funny. I know it's not funny, but I'm laughing at it. Like it's like abortion through the ages. I don't. I I will.
1: I don't think this episode deals with it particularly well. I'll be honest, Mm. which is why I think I have a hard time taking like the struggles of these characters seriously. I think. I think American horror story can be a little bit up and down with more sensitive issues like this. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like they've dealt with ideas of abortion in other seasons a little bit better. That's like other it comes up again, I'm thinking. Yes. Um but I I think in this particular episode, like it is just a little bit of like kind of ridiculousness. Like you have Hayden yeah, having Changing her mind for the very sort of flippant reason that she's just mad at Ben because he wasn't there, mm-hmm. or potentially making this up. Who who knows what is going on with Hayden? Because mm-hmm. she just runs around screaming in this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then to have the 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 idea of backdoor abortions, which it, it, I guess was it was such a, a difficult thing in that era because mm-hmm. you just did not have access. And, you know, for for women in, in positions where they would not be able to raise that baby and that baby would would just, like, they just didn't have the economic resources or the social resources to raise a child. Like, what else could you do in that situation? Mm-hmm. And so you have this horrible, sad history of women risking everything because they had no choice. Like, they, they had no choice other than to, to risk their mm-hmm. lives, to... To have this very dangerous procedure.
0: Um, and there's something yeah. quite nasty about Nora being so cavalier and throwaway about it and sort of egging these. We only see her with one woman, but kind of egging this young woman on to have the procedure in a way that seems so money driven. And it's pretty clear that it is. You know, she doesn't care about this girl or the potential dangers of it or what's right for her it's just the cash she just wants the cash and she will literally throw this girl into the the Frankenstein basement
1: yeah I think we we don't spend much time with Nora but I think we learn a lot about her and she I guess is kind of one of the great villains (laughs) I don't know, she, she is one of the more evil ghosts in, in my mind because I, I think doing that is so callous to mm. to know the to know the risk that these women are being put under and not to care because she could get sixty dollars to buy another I don't know <laughs> hire another servant. And then we
0: see the return of realtor Marcy as well. Marcy (laughs) who gets absolutely a new asshole ripped by Vivian for not disclosing the the murder history of the murder house but I would say that Marcy gets quite
1: a like a good burn back oh yeah because she's like I live in this shitty apartment (laughs) there are rats inside it I would love to live in this giant house I don't care how many people are murdered in it ghosts are better than rats so (laughs) (laughs) like I don't know I I I like that little power play because I don't know Mm -hmm. I actually don't know who comes out
0: of it on top because you know Marcy does have a point yeah nobody cares about Marcy and she really fights back against Vivian but at the same time she Vivian pulls the ultimate uh, American Bougie Queen red card. And she's like, if you don't do this, I will sue you. So Marcy kind of, I think, loses that battle.
1: Yeah, but which is unfair because Marcy did disclose the murder that mm. she did. She says you're meant to disclose murders within three years. And like every old house has probably had a, a scary death in it. Because if you live in an old house, that's just, like, inevitable at some point. And so I think the idea, like, the idea that Vivian is trying to blame her for this and also, how would Marcy know that a bunch of murder fanatics were going to turn up and try to kill them, you know? Yeah. I, I do, don't do feel like Marcy is in the blame in this situation. Oh,
0: I complete, I'm i completely with Marcy here. Yeah. I think Vivian is pulling a real Karen in this scene where she's like, I Jane want Karen to...
1: Vibes. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> where she is like, mm, I want to speak to the management of the murder house.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're like, I would just immediately... Go to legal action. Yeah. I don't care. I haven't I haven't actually looked at the door. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna say I'm gonna sue you.
0: And we also have another beautiful installment of the budding friendship between Larry and Ben. just very one-sided. <laughs> Be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and this time Larry literally chases him. While he's power walking and tries to get him to read lines with him. Because he always wanted to be on the stage. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And now that he has cancer, he's like, fuck it.
0: No other actor, I lie, maybe the only other actor who could sell this as well as Dennis O'Hare does is Stanley Tucci. True. Very good point. He is so sincere. That I genuinely cannot tell at this point if Larry is fishing for other reasons or if he genuinely wants to be Ben's friend. I think he he does. because
1: like, He must feel some sort of kinship with Ben as people who are, you know, they've both experienced the murder house. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you want to reveal what Larry did. What did Larry do at the end of this episode?
0: oh Larry does a murder
1: Larry does a murder after we've just said how how sad and sweet he's been yeah he, he does a full on murder <laughs> but I guess this is an American horror story and you have to kind of assume that every character is probably going to do a murder at some point oh. and that's going to have to not factor into your judgments about how you feel about them
0: so he murders Hayden yes and again Kind of like, stay with me here. It's kind of like a cat who murders a bird and gives it to its owner as a present. I think this is what Larry is trying to do by murdering Hayden, is sort of by like solving one of Ben's problems and giving the solution to him in the form of a homicide. Yeah, because in
1: his, his, you know, in his brain, which is his ghosts and demons inside of that. (laughs) I don't know. There's, like, demons inside of his brain. Because that's, like, the the whole vibe of the murder house was starting to build. It's like, you go in that house and you've got demons in your brain instantly. (laughs) Um, And so in his internal logic is, like, this is a problem. How do we solve it? We kill murder. it, yeah. <laughs> to him, he, like he he doesn't have. That's the thing that's interesting about Larry is that he's he's sort of sweetness without a moral compass, mm-hmm. because he just wants to to kind of be appreciated and have some sort of acceptance before he dies. But also, he does not morally see the issue with murder, which is an interesting way to build a character, I would say.
0: And this is when. Ben is convinced by Constance to stay at the house because Vivian is, you know, as we described with the previous scene with Marcy, it wants to get the fuck out. But they are convinced to stay put at the house partly because they uh, don't have any money to move elsewhere. They're kind of stuck financially and um, Ben is convinced by Constance to stay put and his solution to the murder, is to slap some concrete and build a gazebo. Build which a gazebo. Which he does yeah. in kind of like record time. I mean, it looks like it takes him like a couple of hours to fully build a gazebo in his front but, yard. Did he get that wood or the concrete or any of the materials? I guess
1: it'd be quite boring if we had to follow him to like home base. <laughs> that's what
0: that's what the DVD extras are for yes but that's the really sad moment where Larry actually discovers Moira's remains and he has this cruel choice where he could you know dig a grave somewhere else but he doesn't he buries Hayden in the same spot as Moira and they build this gazebo over it and kind of sealing both Hayden and Moira forever in the house it's very sad
1: yeah and it's it's weird that the episode ends on this quite like upbeat gazebo building montage where Vivian comes out with two glasses of iced tea kind of going oh look at my handsome husband building mm-hmm. a gazebo for his wife because obviously she doesn't know about any of this, she just thinks he's building a gazebo. Because why not? It just to end on the, the the weird high note of now this family has a lovely gazebo. With several bodies underneath, but you know.
0: I mean, I, at this point, three episodes in, I am fascinated with both Vivian and Ben, who are both such assholes.
1: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> both terrible. And, like, we, we are spending so much time with, you know, ghosts and murderers, and yet somehow we still have the capacity to hold, to have disdain towards these two people.
0: Truly, truly,
1: yeah. This is the thing, though, American Horror Story just plays with, like, it completely messes up, for, like, the hour that you're watching it, it completely twists and messes up your, your sense of moral perspective. <laughs>
0: It's the American Horror Story effect. I enjoy the questions that it raises in my brain.
1: Yeah, because somehow we're in this completely gothic, gruesome world where murder and destruction is just like a daily habit. But my God, if somebody is mean to somebody else... I am not having it. It doesn't feel like it should be right, but it's just... It is. It is. (laughs) It's great such a great show I love it I know we're three episodes in now but I just want to re- reiterate that I love it
0: <laughs> shall we move on to our categories yes okay so top quote of the episode what's your favorite oh two servants two <laughs> did
1: two it. servants two <laughs> two <laughs> servants two two two, 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 two servants <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh so much. I'm sorry. What is yours? I sorry. love the way
0: you say it. Um, I love Constance just casually going by Marcy uh, while she's putting up her for a sale sign and just literally spitting at her, being like, good luck selling this lemon. Okay, top naked man moment.
1: Oh, I don't know. Are there naked men in this? I'm actually struggling to... I don't think I made a note of any any butts.
0: I don't think there's any naked man. I think the closest thing we get is a very sweaty Dylan building a gazebo.
1: That's an emotional, emotional nakedness. Yeah, (laughs) we get an emotional naked man here. Emotional naked butt (laughs) shot is a man building a gazebo for his wife. And who is the MVP of the episode? I feel like I'm struggling with this at the moment because Mm. I... I'm still in this place where where Constance is the one who knows everything, or maybe Larry, because like he did, he achieved what he wanted to achieve in this episode. We may not agree with it, but he wanted to help Ben. Done, dusted.
0: This is this is the the AHS equivalent of his Facebook friend request being accepted by Ben.
1: Yeah, because now they're bonded for life. Yeah. Because he's just witnessed his murder, so I think he got what he wanted. So yeah,
0: I'm gonna go with Larry. Good, yeah, good choice. Because all friendship is based on blackmail. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Is that not how you make friends? (laughs) I think mine would be the detective who is investigating the disappearance of the of Adina Porter's character from the Mm. beginning of the episode. And she turns out to uh, have committed suicide, but there's audio, audio recording of Ben being a terrible therapist. And this detective just very nonchalantly tells Ben, it's not a crime to be an asshole. That's a good line. And I think he just kind of wins the whole episode because he kind of seems like he's someone who's gone from a totally different show where morality and ethics exist and he has to deal with these terrible human beings and he's like oh for fuck's sake yeah Yeah. i can't actually charge you with anyone but you are a terrible human being bad person moving on to the insensitive historical reference of the week
1: oh the salminio murder yes very insensitive um because it just that's the weird thing it goes from because obviously we're watching this on netflix so we don't have the ad breaks but i think it it must be right after an ad break it flashes straight into recreation of sal minio's murder who Mm -hmm. uh, was an actor who was in rebel without a cause who was murdered in real life uh and the and then we so we we watched the whole murder with no context we're Mm -hmm. like what on earth is going on and then we cut back to the murder tour, the murder bus tour,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the 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 guy wait, the tour tour guide, tour guide, tour, tour guide, yeah,
0: Craig tour from guy, Malcolm in the
1: Middle. Craig from Malcolm in the Middle is explaining that this is the spot where Salminio was murdered, and he says that the the guy convicted was convicted for a random robbery, yeah, but. People believe that this guy uh, was actually innocent and it was in fact a hate crime, which mm-hmm. is interesting that they, this is the thing, they kind of present it in the show as if it was some kind of cover up and it was actually a hate crime because Sal Mineo was gay and um, he did have a unsurprisingly pretty awful time in Hollywood and was discriminated against a lot. But I don't actually know if there's any evidence that it was a hate crime. I think it might have just been a random robbery because there's a lot of evidence that the guy convicted did it because he was boasting about having done it afterwards. But he at the time did not know that it was Salminio. He just thought it was a random. He was just trying to mug somebody. So seems to be pretty, maybe a little bit insensitive to just drop that in there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And just suggest that it was a thing when probably and maybe wasn't that thing, and not really give any context for it. So I feel like that is a pretty good candlelit. This is like prime insensitive historical
0: reference. Oh hundred <laughs> percent. This this is peak. This was also my my choice for this episode. It's like this this yep. This is the one. It just wins. It's entirely random, uncalled for, and sort of also totally ignores the complexities of the history it is you know uh, I'm not going to defend it the only thing I would say is that it makes sense as told by a very superficial hyperbolic tour guide who is just making a quick buck and reciting something that he probably pulled off of Murderpedia
1: I agree with that I think to me the the insensitive part of it is that we we like watch it because you go in from the ad break, the end of the ad break, straight into this murder. Yeah. And you don't know that it's Salminio. It's only afterwards mm-hmm. that you're like, Oh, that was meant to be Salminio, okay. I think that the part that's the part that seems so unnecessary of like, why do we have to see it? <laughs> yeah, no, completely agree with you. Very and like American Horror Story does this a lot of just like showing you bits of history with like no context and often getting the history like pretty wrong in in sort of yeah missing as you said kind of missing out the complexities of most situations and what can we expect from the next episode of ahs so next episode we're creeping up into the halloween every season there is a halloween episode the funny thing is is usually you can't really tell because every episode of american horror story is a halloween episode (laughs) And it's as two-parter. So this is Halloween part one. The spirits of the murder house will become ever stronger, blurring the line between life and death. Dun, dun, nee, 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 nee. Dun, dun. <laughs> so we'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of American Horror Story Murder House. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. I'm at Clarice Liu. And I am on Annabee Demented.